Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Oil Spills Podcast on today, Tuesday, March 12th. I am your host, Trevor Robb, and joining me today is Edmonton Oilers beat reporter, Rob Tichkowski. How are you? <laughs> Good. <laughs> and fellow Oilers beat reporter, Derek Van Deist. 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 <laughs> uh, guys, the Oilers are coming off a pretty thrilling 3-2 overtime victory over the New York Rangers last night at Rogers Place. You guys were both there. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl continued his tear, scoring the game winner in overtime and notching two assists for a three-point night. Uh, not to be outdone, Connor McDavid scored himself a goal and assist as well. Uh, the much-needed win moves the Oilers two points ahead in the standings and that much closer to a wild-card playoff spot. They now sit five points back of the Minnesota Wild with a game at hand. You guys were both at the game last night, and you had a chance to listen to head coach Ken Hitchcock talk about the win. Uh, he sounded pretty optimistic about the Oilers' chances of making a run at this thing. Rob, uh, what do you think those chances actually are? They're low, but there are chances. So, I mean, as long as there is, you know, as long as there's a mathematical chance, and it's better than a mathematical chance. They don't have to go, you know, twelve and one or whatever to 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 get there. They 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 might be able to afford to lose, you know, three three games or so. Uh, just the fact that they have a chance, you can see how it invigorates everybody in that room and how it kind of, you know, has the city buying in somewhat. I mean, it, it doesn't look good. A lot of things have to go their way. They need some help, but you know, they're winning their games in front of them, which is, which is all that they can do. And, and for the fans in this market to have games in, in March that actually mean something that, that isn't just this kind of funeral March, like we've had for basically 12 of the last 13 years, uh, it's, it's a welcome sight. You know, it's funny. I, I'm starting to believe. Like, I, I, I'd written this team off a month ago, and I was like, there's not a chance they make up seven points in the standings. Because it's, to be honest, it's hard to make up difference ground in this, the way that the NHL is structured. It's hard to make up ground. It looks like you're close, but you're actually pretty far away. But the fact that the Western Conference, the bottom half of that Western Conference is so bad, and nobody's winning any games. And now that the Oilers aren't kind of their, their their schedule is pretty soft when you mm-hmm. look at that. They they got a schedule coming up where they have a they could a lot of winnable games. Yeah, here. things are they, breaking their way. They like, are, and like, they, and and they're right. They're getting the breaks now when they weren't before. Yeah. Um. Like last night, for example, I was convinced that was going to be goaltender friends. I thought it was cut and dry that Cassian, that Cassian right. had had right. hit the goaltender in the head with a stick, and and then they look at it and no, it wasn't Cassian's stick. It was like those are breaks that yeah. I don't remember the Oilers getting. The breaks like uh, Pommonville swinging at the puck and then knocking it out. Like, like that made when, no sense. When did the Oilers get breaks like that? Yeah. And now it, it's almost like the star. The stars are aligned, 
because it's in the Oilers' hands now. I think if they go, they win 10 games, 10 of their last 13, which I think is possible, they have a really legitimate shot to sneak in the playoffs. Like what, what they do in the playoffs, that's another thing. But I'm starting to believe, you know what, there, there's a chance here. Now they're five points back. They go on a five or six game winning streak. They could easily make up those five points because no one else is winning. Minnesota's losing, Colorado. And even last night, all those three teams lost, opening the door for the Oilers, and they almost didn't step through it. But eventually they did. They made it excited. They made it. And so now I'm starting to think, you know what? You have the two two of the best players in the world on your team. You have a super hot goalie. You have a the defense that is really playing well now. That you have had the same six defensemen for a long mm-hmm. time now. It might be possible. It might be possible as long as the bottom two lines play even and you let the top yeah. two lines score the goals, you might be able to get in. Well, and look at Minnesota. They're, they're down Koivu and, and Colorado's out Landeskog. Like the, like I say, this is the stuff that happens when you're, you're this team of destiny. That's it's, and To them, destiny is just making it. But the, you have two of the best players in the world playing at the very top of their game. Like Drysaddle and McDavid are single-handedly dragging this this team. Like they're they're overwhelming when they're when they're engaged and and fully you know at top speed. And that's what we're seeing right now. Like Drysaddle is, you know, the notion that he isn't one of the best top ten players in the league is quickly being dismissed. He's you know left Austin Matthews in the dust a long time yeah. ago, quite frankly. And if you have two of those guys and you have a you have a goalie who's who's going and it's it's all adrenaline and belief right now. Like they're once once the room is fully engaged and you know it's you know talk to them a little bit and it's us against the world. Nobody believed, and uh, you know they had this you know they circled the wagons a little bit and, and and got it going in the right direction. So as long as they don't stumble and and just because I've seen these things a lot where a team will go on this big roll, they'll win eight in a row and then bang bang they'll lose a couple and then that's it. Your momentum's gone and then it's back to you know the deficit's back to seven points. Like as as well as they've played, like I said today. They were seven points back on February sixteenth. They went seven two and two, and now they're five points back. So it's it's tough sledding, but they've they've closed the gap on the teams just slightly ahead of them. So if you keep at that pace, there's no reason it can't be, you know, cut it down to three with seven or eight games to go, and then that's absolutely doable. Derek, you mentioned the others are getting some hot goaltending there from Miko Koskinen. Just pull up his numbers here on the last five games here. He had a 9-4-6 against Ottawa, the shutout against Columbus, a 9-2-1 against Buffalo, 9-4-6 against Vancouver, and a 9-3-3 against the New York Rangers. Now, he's getting pelted with a lot of shots. You you can say that. But nonetheless, the others are getting stellar goaltender, and that's a huge reason as to why they're driving so hard right now. Yeah, definitely. And, and it's funny because... Miko Koskinen came in as such an unknown and, and no one really knew anything about him. And the Oilers threw a lot of money at him. And then he came in and, and he played okay. There were some weaknesses, there were some holes. And then the Oilers threw more money at him. <laughs> what are you guys doing? Um, but someone saw something in him, obviously, that that felt that they could make this commitment to him. They made the commitment to him. And he's really, he still lets in the the the, the, the weak goal, per se. But he is playing great hockey. Like he, he, like last night, he shut it down at two-two. Like you could tell he, she made some big saves. Yeah. He shut it down at two-two. It's not to the point where you think, well, no one's ever going to score because when you let in a leaky goal or you let in a bad goal, you always have that. You know, it's always in the back of your mind. Oh, is this the one he's going to let in a bad goal? If he can get rid of that, I think the Oilers found themselves a really good goaltender. And I also think he's starting to, when he first made his rounds, he was like, and I've said this over and over again, he's like a pitcher that no one knows, and he goes and strikes everybody out. Second time through the order, people know his stuff, and he gets lit up. I thought Koskinen was a little bit like that. Nobody really had a book on this guy. He came out, he played really well at the beginning. And then they found out, hey, his glove is really slow, and it's, you know he leaves room up top. 
uh, over his left shoulder when he goes down. And so people were picking that spot. And I think right now he's starting to kind of address that. And, and you don't see him get beat as high as often anymore. I think he's got great, like his pads is really quick. I think he's really quick down there. But he's starting to close that hole. Um, so he's playing really well. And the team has confidence in him. And I think when you have confidence in your goaltender, that goes a long way. Yeah, he's weird. Like he's got his legs are really quick. Like he's got the butterfly down, and but but he always you can count on him till they didn't one really crappy goal a game. It's either that short side where he doesn't quite cover the post, and it's a sharp angle shot. You're like, how did that get in? Yeah. Or you know, to a lesser degree, now he gets you know beat under the crossbar, which you hate to see from a six foot ten guy on skates. But nevertheless, you know he he'll do that. He'll let in the one really bad one, and then play a fantastic game and. Be, you know, be one of the stars every night. So I'll take that. Okay, all goalies let in bad goals. It's it's a good league. There's some good shooters out there. And if you paid close attention to Carey Price, if you watched him every night, I'm sure you would see the, you know, uh, not the, not the comparing the two, but like all goalies let in a weak goal here and there. It's it's their overall body of work. And so far he's he's getting them through this pretty well. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't always make the very pretty saves. That's the thing with Koskinen is he, he kind of has his own style out there. And uh, I, you mentioned, Derek, that uh, the Oilers' defense do have confidence playing in front of him. I wonder if that erratic uh, style there kind of <laughs> helps to chip away at some of that confidence at times. But uh, at the same time, like I said, the numbers speak for themselves. So, But the Oilers' defense, like you mentioned there, uh, they, they're going to have to be really strong here on this stretch. And we saw Oscar Kleffbaum take a pretty nasty shot there to the midsection. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, have, do we have an update on him? How's he doing? Uh, well, uh, the practice today, they're going to have an update. I'm not sure if he's on the right. yesterday or not. Um, yesterday, Hitch said he, he expects him to be fine. Okay. Yeah, so hopefully he's fine. And I think right now they have a solid sixth defensive core that they've used regularly now and I think Sekra helped a lot. Oh, I think Sekra's, Sekra's come huge. in and yeah. he's been huge. He's really settled Benning down and obviously Clefbaum now back with that finger injury and I think now that helps your goaltender when you have same six guys in front of you and you can trust those same six guys and, and that's why I'm starting to kind of turn in my opinion of where the Oilers have a shot here because defensively I think they have a decent top six. Once they lose, they don't have the depth. So if they lose a guy then they get in trouble. Um, but I think if you can be able to maintain those six guys healthy, then you have a decent, uh, back end and then your goaltender kind of benefits from that. And I think that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah. You get the same, like Sekera, like nobody thought he was going to come back and, you know, he came back from his last injury last year and he was just a train wreck. It was an absolute mess. So then he gets hurt again and you're thinking, okay, there's no way he's going to come back. And he stepped right in and been just a, a really solid guy. And then you know, you don't have to put in Weidman and Petrovic and Manning and, and all those people. You get your same, you know, your same top six and the, the guys get used to the the guy, you know, who they're partnered with. The goalie gets used to him. The team gets a little bit of confidence and, you know, defense is the engine of the team. If your defense isn't good, nothing's going to be good. You know, it's puck retrievals and breakouts, you know, are going to be hurt. Your goals against, you know, you're not going to be able to break up the cycles. If So if you can get just a solid, competent defense core, then, then again, it's it's back to McDavid and Dreisaitl, and they can take over games without having to, you know, be constantly in their own end. And while the Oilers did kind of give up a lot there in trades to get Petrovic and Manning, uh, and now at least in the run here that they're going to make, at least they kind of have a bit of depth in the case of an injury or something like that. Uh, again, a bit of a steep price for them to pay uh, to get those two guys. But also the one thing that the Oilers have been criticized about a lot is their depth. Uh, but we're seeing uh, Zach Cassian step up. The addition of Sam Gagne has been huge. And then other guys like Curry and Cave, uh, they're not getting a ton of points on the board, but they are playing their role. Do you think the Oilers' depth can stand up? 
Well, I, I don't think they have a lot of depth, to be honest yeah. with you. But I, I do like Kobe Cave. I, I yeah. do think he's a very useful player. I think the problem with the Oilers early on is they had bottom six guys that didn't belong in the NHL. And I still think they do have two or three guys that probably don't belong in the NHL. Uh, Kobe Cave is an NHLer. He's a bottom. He's a, like, I know his hands have to get better, but I think he skates well. I think he reads the game well. I think he, he does a lot of good things well for this hockey team. Um, I think there's some other guys that are on other teams but probably be in the American Hockey League. Uh, but I think he's a guy that that um, that helps him a lot. I think Sam Hunt Gagne has helped him a lot. Believe mm-hmm. it or not, there's a guy that was in the NHL, AHL, probably should have been in the NHL, and and he's an NHL player. And, and I think he's helped them a lot because he does bring some offense uh, to that bottom six where they had none before. So I think those two guys have really helped the Oilers kind of solidify the bottom six. And to me, bottom six line, bottom six players, you just have to go out there and fill space for your top two guys, to, right. the top two lines to go and score. So you just don't get scored on. Just play it even. Don't get scored on. Don't take penalties. Don't get stuck in your own end, and you're going to be fine. And I think those guys are doing that right now. Yeah, you just you just need to break even because yeah. you've got McDavid and Drysdale. They're going to they're going to take care of. You know, they're going to finish plus one or plus two on against their guys typically uh, most nights. But as long as your back end, you know, there are people that you can put out there for more than seven eight minutes without you know not having the confidence in them, and you get there's still some placeholders in the team, and like they're they're. I think the Oilers are still with this roster overachieving. You know, they, they, you know, and, and it's, it's kind of, you think where this team could be if there was just a couple of more decent pieces, you know, if, if Lucic was actually a $6 million player who could score you 25 or 30 goals, which is what $6 million players do, you know, where would they be? Where would they be if, if uh, Tobias Reeder, you know, had 10 or 12, right? They'd be comfortably in a playoff spot. So, you know, to, to some extent, they're doing more with what they have, which is kind of why I admire this group. They're pretty scrappy. There was a lot of reasons. We all wrote them off a long time ago. They had plenty of reasons to quit, and they're 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 a scrappy bunch, so I, I give them credit. It seems like we're all kind of jumping on the bandwagon here, guys. <laughs> it, no, it does, and, and you know what? We've, we have been very critical of this organization, and rightly so. They've, they've missed the playoffs 11 or 12 years, yeah, yep, and they've been yep. completely poorly mismanaged, and they've made some terrible decisions, and 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 then going forward, but I think we do have to give credit where credit is due here, and I think they've they've gotten to this point now, where yeah, there there is reason for optimism. Um, now saying that going forward next year, they can't continue with this group. They have to make a bunch of changes still, and, and still has uh, things have to be changed. But I think the way this group is set up, the way everything has come together, the way the goaltending, the defense, the way the hockey gods now are, are seem to be smiling on Edmonton and giving them the breaks that they need. Um, I think there is reason for optimism and the reason to get excited and reason to back this team. There's 13 games left. Back this team, I think, you know, yeah, reasonably they probably have to win 10, 9 or 10 of these last games. But I don't think that's beyond the realm of possibility when you look at their schedule and you look at the fact that they do have the best player in the world on their team and they have another great player on their team. And and, and I think the pieces are there to make this run. Yeah, you have to look at it through two different lenses. Like here we are right now, five points out. In the here and now, this is exciting and it's fun. In the bigger picture of where the team is, there's there's a lot of work to be done. You have to, you know, if you want to put the brakes on and and look at reality you know if they were in the eastern conference they'd be about 15 points out if the western conference wasn't historically low they would be 13th place so they're 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 not as good as you know we would see and the bar has to be pretty low and here you are you know five to seven points out in the middle of march and everybody's pumped you know that's, <laughs> yeah that's, gives you some indication about how the last 12 years have gone but just like just enjoy it and then the summer like 
Derek said, you have to really not totally break this team up, but you know, you need five new faces, better players than they have right now. And then at attack it from that perspective, because you know, what we're seeing now is fun and exciting. It'd be great if they get in and man, if they had Calgary in the first round, the province would shut down for, for a week. It would be incredible. And I think they might, they might be able to win that series. I mean, might be the one, the one, you know, the top team they could take out, but you know, enjoy, enjoy what's happening right now. And in the summer, let's, you know, they need to take this thing apart and make it better. So they're not sitting here seven points out again next March. Well, the 13 games that they do have coming up here are against, they do have a couple against some opponents that are ahead of them. So, uh, we, we obviously see the Devils here on Wednesday, uh, but they, they have the, uh, the Arizona Coyotes on Saturday. That's a trip coming uh, and, up. Yeah. And who knew that a game in mid-March against the Coyotes would be a barn burner? Uh, but that's a really, really important one. I mean, the Coyotes right now sit four points up on the Oilers. Uh, and then uh, later on in this month here on the 28th of March, they do play the Dallas Stars. And uh, on April 2nd, they do play the Colorado Avalanche. So there is some some uh, yeah. a chance there where they can at least make up some, uh, some uh, momentum there. But again, w- when we talk about the Edmonton Oilers, it's hard not to talk about the two top guys, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. But Leon Dreisaitl has just been, I think... Uh, a bit of a standout this year. Connor McDavid's kind of doing what Connor McDavid does, but I think the the jury was still kind of out on what Leon Draisaitl could be as a player, and it seemed like he flipped a switch at some point in the season. I don't know if it was the All Star game, but at some point he just decided that he was gonna be this dominant goal scorer. Did you, Derek? Do you, do you did you see a point? I guess in the season where something changed in him, or or what what's going on there? Well, to be honest, Drysaddle was a self-admitted slow starter, so I just wonder if if it's it was a case of just him getting up to speed and up to game shape and and being able to keep up to the pace. And I think if there was one knock on Leon Drysaddle is that sometimes he he he's a bit lazy and he, and he doesn't keep up to the pace. But now you're seeing that he he's able to do that and he's able he's able to skate as quickly as some other guys in the league. And I think when he when he displays that, you, you see his talent. But to me, Leon Drysaddle sees the game on a different level, kind of like Connor McDavid does, maybe like Ryan Nugent Hopkins does, and. He's the best backhand passer in the league, in my opinion. He passes the puck on the backhand better than everyone, anyone I've seen. I think Joe Thornton is, is pretty good as well. And obviously, Sid can pass the puck pretty well off his backhand. But yeah, he has taken his game to another level uh, since the All-Star break. And he's really quiet a lot of, of people that said, oh, the only reason he's putting up those numbers is because he's playing with Connor McDavid. And, and you're seeing that. It was the same argument you know, back in the day with Gretzky and Curry. They said, oh, the only reason Curry's scoring all these goals is he's playing with Wayne Gretzky. Well, no, that it doesn't always wash that way, and, and I think right now he's he's kind of going out on his own, and he's showing people that this guy is an elite, elite, elite hockey player. And now you're thinking he may be underpaid, yeah. you know, considering <laughs> the contract he got. You're thinking, wow, you know, like especially with all those guys in Toronto, they're going to sign ten, eleven million dollar yeah. contracts. You're eight thinking, and a half, good. Eight and a half is a pretty good deal yeah. <laughs> for this guy. That that might be a bargain. I, n- I never understood the lazy comments on dry saddle. I, d- I didn't really see a lot of them. I, I think I saw more people talking about the lazy comments than I saw the actual lazy comments. But I, I guess it's just because of his big frame. Well, sometimes the big guys move a little slower. You remember, I think it was the game against the Sharks where he was sort of coasting uh, yeah. over center. And then Patrick Kane came, not Patrick blue, Kane, yeah, Patrick Kane, Kane, Kane from, from two towns over, blows right past him and, and scores the goal. As Drysaddle was coasting and not, you know not looking over his shoulder, and I think it was that same game or the next game he uh, saw that the other team was breaking in, and he just just casually went to the bench and and I think Hitchcock sat him down after that and said, you know, hey, listen, this is the stuff that we have to get out of your game. 
he was scoring before that. And I think since then he's really buttoned down. And then a, a guy like that, once he realizes that, wait a second, I think I am one of the best players in this league. You look at things differently. You, you, you behave differently on the ice and, and off the ice. And you just, once you, you know, it's like somebody not knowing their own strength, once they realize how strong they are, you know, they can become very effective. And he's sort of, listen, I'm maybe one of the top five, six, seven, eight players in the world right now. So that's who I can be. And then, you know, if I push this envelope every night, you know, I'm third or fourth in, in league scoring, I could finish, I could finish one, two in goals. I mean, that's exciting for a guy. And remember, he's only 23 years old too. You yeah. look at him and you think, okay, this is, you know, big dude, you know, he's probably 25, 26, 27. He's just a young guy just starting out. So where is he going to be when he is 25, 26, 27? He and McDavid are, are going to be frightening with how, with how good they get. So, you know, that's why it's just incumbent to surround them with talent because this could be something very special if you have two guys like that as your as your foundation. I think the thing with Dreisaitl too is that we do see sometimes on the back check when you talk about all oh, the late – offensive players will work very hard in the offensive zone, but I think the key is to get them to work just as hard in the defensive mm-hmm. zone. And I think sometimes we've seen that Dreisaitl will – We'll, we'll go off, we'll change on the back check. And we'll, like I said, with the Vander Kane, he'll, he kind of loses his guy and he'll let a guy escape by him. That one looked really bad. The other night he made a bad change. He decided to take off to the bench and, and they ended up scoring a goal yeah. on that change. So little things like that, that coaches notice and they'll say, hey, this is, you got to work just as hard on the defensive end of the ice as you do on the offensive end of the ice. And I think we're starting to see that. And I think that's what separates really, really, really good players from superstar players. Because a guy like Sidney Crosby works just as hard at both ends of the ends and the ends. You'll never see a guy blow by Sidney Crosby and get to the front of the net. And yeah, right now, both those guys are actually ahead of Crosby in the in the point totals for the year. So uh, I think, yeah, both are in the top four in mm-hmm. the league right now, which is just unreal. I can't remember the last time the others had something like this. I don't know if it would be Doug Wade, Billy Garen combo. Well, Dryshot dry was eighth two years ago in, in, the, yeah. in the playoff run, but this is, yeah, like, I don't even think, well, I know he didn't expect the goal total and the point total, you know, is 20 points. You know, you, you bust your personal best by 20. You're doing pretty good. Well, one thing that's, I mean, we're in the middle of March right now. The others are making a run at the playoffs here. And and it's kind of hard to to look back and remember that the others have fired their general manager and replaced their head coach. Yeah. Uh, the one thing, I guess, is is, uh, is Ken Hitchcock's voice in the locker room. I don't, I'm not sure. Obviously, I'm not in the locker room like you guys are, but I'm not sure how much different that locker room is under Hitchcock as it was for McClellan. Do you think that there's an advantage now with Hitchcock there during this playoff run? Or I guess, how have things changed in that respect? And how could that help the Oilers as they go on this run? He's a he's a, a firmer voice, yeah. like uh, which they needed, and, and there was some resentment a little bit. Like you know, nobody likes to you know be uh, you know nobody likes the delivery that Hitchcock will sometimes make. Yeah, but they they both want the same thing. Like he, he knows what he's talking about. He knows he looks at this roster and sees what it is, and and knows how they need to play. And you know they're buying in. And they're seeing success, so you know it's a it's a it's always that transition when you get a coach who takes a hard line with things. He's a good guy, a friendly guy, and everything likes players and everything. But when it comes to the hockey, it's a firm line of how things have to be, and uh, if it, it's a, it's a process because the players kind of don't like you know nobody likes playing defense. It's it's, it's, not, <laughs> it's not fun. Defense sucks when you're playing ball hockey. Like you know, right. and I'm I'm, I'm open. Right. But if you if you buy in and you see success, then suddenly everybody's on the same page and, and you're and you're going forward. And that's kind of what we're seeing now. There were some rocky periods where I think the the, the comment where he said, you know, the, the 
players have to want it as much as the coaches probably didn't go over it very well, but you know, I think they sat down after that and looked at some film and realized like, you know, Hey, maybe we were cutting some corners here and there and let's, let's see what we can do. And now it's all for one and one for all. So, you know, more power to him. Yeah. I think the thing with Tom McClellan, Tom McClellan's an excellent coach. Let's not get anything wrong. He's a fantastic coach, but I think he came in here and the pressure was on him and the pressure was on Peter Shirelli and the pressure was on them to make this team work and, and this group of players work. And I think he had, for whatever reason, he had he was more committed to some of the guys that, that Peter Shirelli brought in and trying to make it work. And then towards the end, I think he was just coaching to try and save his job. Hitchcock comes in here at a retirement, basically. He's doing it. He's not doing it because he's trying to get a job next year. He's not doing it um, for anything but the love of the game. He just wants to be around the game. He loves hockey so much. He just wants to be around the game. And the thing with Ken Hitchcock, it's it his way or the highway. I'll play Milan Lucic on the fourth line. I don't. I have no commitments to having to play him as in a top six role, which I think Todd McClellan was a little reluctant to play him on the fourth line or to play him a little lower, you know, not give him the minutes mm-hmm. he's getting. Hitchcock will play him 10 minutes. I don't care. He, he's going to do what, he's, what he thinks is best for his hockey club. And I think that's when it, when, it, when it becomes a little different. But anyone who's ever talked to Ken Hitchcock, like, yeah, his, his message, the way he delivers the message might not always be the, the best way to do it. I, I think especially in today's age, players are a bit more sensitive than we were back in the day where you could yell and scream at them and, and, and kind of break them down before you build them up. I think it's a little different. And I just think it's just the way, you know, people are kind of raised now there, you know, there's less breaking down of you and then, and there is more building up. So it's tough when some old school guy like that does that and points out your weaknesses and say, this is how you, what you have to do to get better. But I think there is a transition period where players realize he's doing this to make me a better player if I become a better player, we're going to become a better team. And when you're starting to get the results as the Oilers are now, right. I think you're starting to buy in. And I think the players are buying in now and saying, okay, maybe his, 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 the delivery is not as great, but I know what he's trying to get to me and he's trying to make me a better player. He's trying to do it for everybody's benefit. And I think that they're seeing that right now and I think it's working. Well, like Drysaddle's playing the best hockey of his career. Yeah. Cassian is is playing way above his head. Like there's a, there's some some players on there that he's really – brought out the a lot more from so and then there's other players that you have to play because there's nobody else like yeah. tobias reader he just you know you know poor tobias <laughs> I know. we were joking last <laughs> night for he so had a bad. couple of good chances and you know and like dustin nelson of dsn he writes down every day tobias reader's gonna score today it's kind of like that cheers episode where sam wrote down every day today i'm gonna sleep with it's, it's the same type of thing it's hilarious but it's it's almost become comical now. Uh, this this chase for Tobias Friday. He's he's on the verge of be, of having the most shots in the history of hockey by forward and not scoring a goal. Like he he may be shut out the entire year. And it's and he's had some good looks. It's not like he's getting great looks every game. He's had some good looks, but sometimes he seems reluctant to shoot the puck because he's just like, well, I'm not gonna score anyway, so I might as well give it to someone yeah. that might. So if you had to bet with Drysdale's at 42, would you say Drysdale gets to 50 before Tobias Reader gets to one? Like oh, what, what if you had to put money down on that? On that. <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh, which. there's no way I'm putting money down on Tobias <laughs> right, Reiter at this point. Reiter. Sorry. So, but you know, it's but there are guys like that, and you know, I, I would, I would, you know, I argue some other guys that probably are more AHL players or maybe tweeners. Uh, we call them where they're probably too good for the AHL, but just not good enough for the NHL. I think the Oilers have a few guys like that, but uh, but overall, I think the team is pulling. They're all pulling in the same direction, which is something that. Uh, we haven't seen around here since you know a couple of years ago when they made the playoffs. Yeah, and it could run him this three game trip. I mean, you get Arizona and then you get St. Louis and Vegas. Like, whew. I mean, if they can come, if they come through that, then you'll know that okay, wow, this is for real. But 
they come back from that 0-3, then they're in a really, really bad spot. So, I mean, they've had some, you know, some opponents, you know, they're playing Ottawa, Buffalo, Rangers, Jersey, you know, you should win those, even though they're kind of on your level. You can't, you know, others can't be looking down on too many teams, but if they come through St. Louis, Vegas, and uh, uh, Arizona with, you know, four or five points or whatever, then then I'm pretty sure they will make the playoffs. I mean, that's a that's a tough, that's a tough uh, a stretch. Well, I'm just happy that it's March and we're actually able to talk about the others yeah. making a playoff push here. So at least we have that to look forward to here, guys. I want to thank you uh, for joining me today on the Oil Spills podcast. Uh, feel free to reach us, uh, reach out to us on, on uh, iTunes and on SoundCloud. You can find us there, guys. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you.